Welcome to the Plan Simple Podcast. I am your host, Mia Moran. Moms have the power to change the future, but not if we're stressed out and exhausted. Looking at food, lifestyle, spirituality, and work, the Plan Simple Podcast is for busy moms who want to create a healthier and happier future. Listen in for inspirational conversations and valuable strategies to plan for your best life. Welcome to this episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. I am so excited for you to meet our guest today, the amazing Syl Reynolds. I have been wanting you all to meet her for a while now. So let me explain a little bit about why she's here today. As I told you last week, maybe you've gotten a glimmer of it in your inbox. I am spending the month of May and probably a little bit into June just highlighting and having gratitude for teachers who I've learned from since becoming a mother and not all about motherhood at all but just in that time frame and I'll get a little bit into that in a minute why this time frame and I'm doing this in honor and I just actually had to re-record this intro because I'm doing it in honor of my 46th birthday I think in the previous one I said 47th birthday but I'm turning 46 and so I've chosen 46 teachers to highlight and what I have learned from them now not all of them are going to be podcast interviews actually some of them have been podcast interviews so we'll make sure to link back to those people. We'll be sending out emails about this and mostly we'll be talking about it over on Instagram. So if you go to plansimple.co to our channel on Instagram, you will see these posts where I'm going to be introducing you to teachers and also be sharing really the big ahas that I learned from them, the things that are really part of how I operate now, not the things that I have to go look up or remember, but the things that I learned from them and are literally now part of my life. That's what I'm sharing over there because I think that's really important for you to know. And because it's my birthday month and because it's May and I love May and because the new flow planner is coming out in May, yay, I'm so excited. We will be giving away prizes all month. Some of them will be the new flow planner once that's ready. Some of them will be the amazing books written by many of the teachers who I'm either interviewing or sharing over on Instagram. And then on my actual birthday day, which is at the end of the month, I'm going to share a gift certificate to my favorite store, which might be some of your favorite stores. If you've been around here before, you might know what I'm talking about. If not, you might have to hold yourself in suspense, although we will announce it soon. So that is what's happening this month. We're, we're, we're really having gratitude for these teachers. We're learning from teachers. And here is why I'm doing this right now. It actually started out as something I wanted to do for myself this month, just to recall and have gratitude for all these amazing people who've helped me over these 17 years of being a mother. And again, it's not all about motherhood. Many of them have been, helped me in entrepreneurship. But the thing that happened when I became a mother was it ended this kind of fast from wanting to learn. So let me explain. I did not love school. I went to a lot of very traditional schools and I pretty much hated every minute of it. I was creative. I was entrepreneurial. I was not an A-plus student by any form, and I just didn't thrive there. I didn't love it at all. And so finally, when I was about 19, I left, uh, I left Georgetown University. That's where I started. 
as a sophomore. I, I left when I was a sophomore and I went to the Royal Island School of Design. I decided to go to art school. Thus, you guys get planners and planning pages now because I went to art school. And so I went to art school and I have to admit, I did love it there. I loved learning in that new way, which was amazing. It was amazing to finally be in a school that I loved learning at. And when I graduated, I was still done. I was like, all right, great. We're done with this phase of life. Now we get to go work and learn from life and be in life. And I was just so excited for that new phase to happen. And so that lasted for a while. It lasted for probably about seven years to be exact, because at seven years, I got pregnant with Felix. And I was 28 years old. And I realized I had no idea about so many things. And it was the first moment where I was like, huh, interesting. Like there's so many things they don't actually teach you in school. And so that became when I opened up and decided to be teachable. I decided that I had a lot to learn and I wanted to learn it. I wanted to learn how to be a great mom. I wanted to learn how to be great in my relationship. I wanted to learn how to be so good with money, which I was not. And I wanted to learn how to, you know, cook and clean my house and love my body and just be better at with our planet. Like there was just so many things that I really wanted to learn and just had no idea. So it's been this amazing journey of 17 years and apparently 46 teachers, although in some of the 46 posts I mentioned even more teachers because I have to admit like I had to I had to get really clear about who those 46 were and there are more. There's so many more. We're on episode 200 60 something of this podcast. I should know that answer, but I don't. And I learn something every time I do an interview. I learn something every time I read a book or have a conversation. Just I feel like since I open myself up, there's just so much more to learn that I don't know. And I enjoy every minute of it. So let's talk about so that's that's the story. That's the story behind why we're doing this right now and why why I'm interviewing teachers. So let me tell you a little bit about how Syl came into my life as a teacher. So before I share that, what I want to say is that Kim John Payne, who we talked to last week, was really a very, very, very important teacher in my life. And he was a teacher before I ever met him. So he was a teacher because I read his book and I implemented everything, and it was so important to me. Everything in his book just changed the way our family operated. And really, for two or three full years, it was me and the book. <laughs> and I read it more than once. I dog-eared pages. It was 17 years ago, so it was before anybody had fancy courses or fancy websites. Um, it was all in the book. And then eventually, I got to hear him speak, and I got to go to a workshop, and then um, really dive into the work even more when my kids were in a school that really supported his work. And then somewhere along the lines, I wrote that book, Plan Simple Meals, and I got to actually have conversations with him in person, both on my platform and his. And that was really, really important. That was, you know, that that really helped me get to know him better, but that was not how I learned. That's what I wanted to share. So I learned from his book. Now, Syl, I have a different story with, because Syl has an amazing book, which we're going to share with you, and 
you can go link to it in the show notes. And I actually highly recommend, you can read it if you love reading, but I actually highly recommend the audiobook um, because half of it is by her, half of it is by her daughter. And in the middle, they record a retreat that you can go on with your daughter. It's kind of a, it's a beautiful book. So I highly recommend that. And again, we will link to that in the show notes. But I did not read her book first. I hired her first to speak to one-on-one in a moment um, last fall when the pandemic had started and my teen daughter was not thriving. She was not happy. I felt like literally a balloon had been burst and I didn't know how to get us back. And so I found Syl and she became this amazing amazing teacher and lifeline um, in my life. I got to speak to her once, if not multiple times a week for many months. I still get to talk to her. And I just wanted to share that because I think we all have different versions of what it means to learn. And there's so many ways in between hiring someone one-on-one and and a book. There's classes. And what I will try to do when I am talking about all of these amazing 47 46. Sorry. See, I keep saying I must think inside that I'm turning 47, but I'm turning 46. And with the 46 teachers, I'm going to try to tell you how I learned from them as well. Some were from classes. Some were just because they're good friends. Some I hired. um, Some I met in masterminds, and we just ended up having hours of conversation, like so many different ways that I've worked with all these teachers. And so I'll, I'll try to share that because I think that that might be helpful as you encounter who your teachers are. All right. So let me officially introduce you to Syl. Syl Reynolds is a mother and a mothering expert. She is the co-author with her daughter, Eliza, of Mothering and Daughtering, Keeping Your Bond Strong Through the Teen Years. And for 15 years, both Eliza and Syl together ran workshops for thousands of mothers and their preteen and teen daughters. And oh my gosh, I wish I knew them then because I I probably didn't. Yeah, I did have some teen. I did have a teen then. I would have been there in a heartbeat. Um, They do not any longer do those, but you can work with either of them separately. And I will link to Eliza's site in the show notes as well. Hopefully we'll get her on here at some point. Um, as well, because she has an amazing way that she helps teen girls right now. So Syl brings 40 years as a family nurse practitioner and psychotherapist to her current work, work as a mothering coach. And that is how I know her as my mothering coach. And it's been so amazing to have the privilege to dive into how I'm showing up as a mother And it's been so surprising how diving into this piece of me right now has affected my health, how I show up in my work, how I show up as a coach, how I show up as a daughter and a wife and a friend. And so it's really cool how when you open yourself up to grow and to learn in one area, it really affects all the areas. So with no further ado, let's get Syl on the show. Hi, Syl. Hi, Mia. I'm so excited for this conversation. Me too. too. Yeah. Um, I have been, I've been singing your praise for quite a few months now. So I feel like everyone's like, who is this Syl woman in my community? So here you are. 
So one thing I know is that I could probably talk to you for days and you probably have days worth of knowledge to impart on all of us. So I'm going to do my best to guide us through the basics and then we'll tell everybody how to get a hold of you at the end because everyone, everyone, I think everyone should listen to your book. I think that's the best, the best way to have it. So we'll put a link for that in the show notes, Wonderful. but let's, let's go back to the, the beginning first of why like why we need to be thinking about mothering as we have tweens and teens, because I feel like in our culture, it's almost like we're promised that right at that moment, we get more freedom. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, it actually, I need, I need to be there right now. And it's a confusing, it's a confusing time in motherhood. So will you just tell us a little bit about your take on the whole tween and teen girl situation and like the 101 version. Absolutely. You know, you laugh and I laugh at the, at the knowing around, right. You think you're going to get a break and uh, have all this space. And I mean, in some ways you do. Yeah. Um, get, you get a certain kind of break. Um, and why I created mothering and daughtering with my daughter, um, Eliza, who was like 14 years old at the time, and she's 30 now. Uh, but, but really, um, I had been mothering her for 14 years. So I was, I was a little bit ahead of her in, in consciousness, as we yep. would hope it would be, that a mother would be ahead of the consciousness of her daughter. And I, realized how much I needed the work that I was creating. Yes. Is it painted always that way? Um, Absolutely. <laughs> and um, particularly um, that I had had lost um, my mama during the teen years. She kind of gave up on me. She didn't know what to do with me. And I... It, it was very um, painful and there was a, a lot of unnecessary um, situations, um, environments, people, places where I was lost without mentorship, without guidance, um, without mothering, um, in this case, um, fathering as well, but we're talking about mothering here, and um, particularly um, a daughter who needed uh, guidance from her mother, the woman in her life from whom she needed uh, some wisdom, to say the least. And so that's this the extra piece that where, where our girls need us yeah. um, um, during the teen years is we get a break in some ways, but in other ways, they need us more than ever. Yeah. And if we can get on board with that in a, in a way that's like super creative and super cool, um, meaning, um, in mothering and daughtering, I, I, we've created a path, 
a way of, of doing this during adolescence that's invigorating instead of draining. That's, um, um, you know, I sometimes call teen girls get such a bad rap and uh, I sometimes call teen girls oracles. Like they're just um, so um, in touch with uh, their, with, with another way of seeing um, Eliza created the word daughtering in our workshops because she felt like, damn, it's just like so, so, so passive. You know, every, you know, all these ways that we're told how to be mothers, but daughters are just, you know, suppo supposedly these um, bad attitude, um, resistant, bitchy, lazy, um, all these, you know, catty, all these terms. And it was like, no way. And Eliza was saying, I'm done with this. And so she had the girls in the workshop um, define daughtering. And, and one of my favorites was daughtering uh, was seeing the, the world with new eyes. I love that. Will you tell everyone what your definition of mothering is? Yes, I would love to. My definition of no mothering um, is raising, in this case, your daughter, but I don't have a son and I know lots of mamas that are listening um, are, have sons and you have a yep. son. And, yeah. But it, so it's the same thing, raising your daughter or son to become themselves. Yeah. My mother had had such an agenda for me, um, which made things very complicated and difficult. And um I, I, the part of the medicine of what I created here for my, for my inner teen as I was healing and for my, my teen girl was, what if we, um, since it's what we hunger for more than anything else in this world is to be mirrored and seen and heard. What if we met our children, not perfectly, not all the time, but we met them um, with this kind of wonder of who are you and how can I help you become um, and that person um, and which might not always fit with what I had hoped as a parent but so it's a you know mothering is a spiritual path how can we get out of the way and um, and help and guide our kids hundred percent. I love that. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, you guys know, everyone listening knows that I'm in this cycle of interviewing all my teachers and still happens to be the one who's my current teacher who I'm interviewing because I've been on this path of really helping a child who needed help more than other moments in, in her life. And that's how I initially found still and have been on this amazing journey, but even in some of the hardest moments as a mom, like it was life-giving, even though it was taking time, it was hard. Um, you know, not everything was going as I had, had planned. It, it took a, it's in some moments takes a huge effort to let somebody really be who they're meant to be. Um, you know, it can be hard, but it can also be life-giving. So I totally 
I totally have felt that. I love that. Yeah. I mean, it's such a good point because when we're um, mothering on the level of soul, and I use that word purposefully, um, not as a religious word, but a spiritual word. Yep. Soul is the part of uh, us and the part of our child that is, well, um, whole and, <laughs> and, um, and uh, perfectly imperfect and um, limitless and transcendent. Um, and, you know, the, it's where love happens, uh, yeah. even when hard. And, and so it would be life-giving, even if it's hard, because it's on the level of soul. It's, it's like really meeting your kid where it matters. Well, and that brings me to my next question, because one of the things that, one of the reasons that I love you so much <laughs> is because I had an inkling as I was going through this, that, that there was some wisdom within me that had the answers. And because I work with so much, so many women on time and just that feeling of overwhelm and you know, I'm sure there's people listening who are like, I barely have time to like brush my teeth alone, make dinner and all the things. How do I have time to like put extra attention onto mothering? And one of the things that I think is, is so interesting is that when you are doing it from a soul level time, like the time really becomes irrelevant. It's really interesting. Like all the things fit in and that piece at least of the day doesn't feel like it's taking away from anything or um, just it's, you're not aware that it's taking time. And I think that is from that piece of really tapping into our intuition instead of all the things we think we're supposed to do. So everybody who's been a listener around here knows that I had this challenge in the midst of um, all the things that were happening last winter to work a lot less hours. So I was trying to work 20 hours instead of closer to 40 and really focus on mothering for 20 hours a week. And I was really sort of, you know, I shared with my community a lot of what that looked like. And it was very different from what it used to look like. Cause I used to, it used to be all these things coming in from the outside of what I thought I was supposed to be doing as a mom. But when you're really being intuitive and you know, your kid's in a hard spot or in a transition, which I think pretty much every kid is a teenager is in transition on an hourly basis. Um, <laughs> you need to be able to tap into that. So let's talk a little bit about the intuition. Sure. And why it's such a good tool. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I'm, I'm glad you're bringing that up because in a way um, it, it takes me back to where we started when yep. it, uh, where you said, still, um, I feel like you know, there's wisdom I can hear from you for days. And while that's true, because, you know, I'm 65 years old and I've been around. Um, <laughs> practitioner, psychotherapist, parenting coach, um, wrote this book with my daughter, um, have led mothering daughtering workshops for thousands of mothers and daughters over many years. In the end, like when you were saying that, it's true. And, and I love I, I could talk and talk and talk, uh, you know, about this stuff. I just love it. I was also thinking at the same time that at the heart of mothering and daughtering 
is and and always what I was really teaching in workshops um, was that we already have we're we're the you know we're the expert we've been looking for in a way like that wisdom that intuition um, when honed and listened to uh, and not overrided is incredible. So I could give you lots of information, but in the end, it's gonna be you and your kid and you're gonna know better than anyone. And um, each kid is different and each situation is different. So that's why um, I talk a lot about attachment parenting and I'll weave in intuition here as well. Yeah, attachment parenting got super popular more in the early years of parenting. Yeah. Um, whether it's family bed or breastfeeding or, you know, it's a, it's a natural um, relationally based approach to parenting. Less, less well-known um, how to use it or how it applies during the teen years. And so if I were to put that simply, I would say like, for instance, in the teen years, you're gonna have more conflicts. Um, there's a natural resistance. There's a natural natural pushing as um, developmentally um, a teenager is trying to figure out who she is, literally. Right. And so she's going to be um, pushing back her parents some. Um, I always tell parents that's not rejection, that's resistance. It's counter will, it's healthy. Um, and so fundamentally, um, what what if, if the parent is aware um, that behavioral problems, conflicts cannot be um, addressed with behavioral actions like discipline, I mean, it might work temporarily, but from an attachment perspective, we see a behavioral problem as having a relational problem or issue or conflict at its root. Um, and often that is, especially these days, our teenagers being pulled into teen culture more than ever. Yep. Especially through social media and um, the world of peer culture. And so my work um, really focuses on helping mamas get back into their groove. Um, I call it an alpha position in a way. Um, it's a loving authority where they're, the, they're in charge. Um, there's a social, natural social hierarchy. And when they have that confidence and they know that they can be listening to their own instincts and intuition, um, then they're mothering um, from that place instead of a kind of intellectual or rules-based, I should be grounding my kid because they broke this rule. Maybe grounding's a, a good idea, but grounding, it's an interesting word, isn't it? Yeah. it doesn't really help unless it really is grounding for the kid. Yeah. 
grounds their nervous system. So rather than isolating a kid, which is discipline, if they've broken a rule or hurt someone or done, done something that's, that's, you know, out of integrity, um, we want to get in closer with them. That's where the relational piece comes in. We want to connect more, help them find um, their, their moral compass, um, but not by shaming them and isolating them, but by um, re you know, reaching in and connecting. Um, we are the protectors um, as parents of our children's hearts. It's our job um, to protect their vulnerability um, for as long as possible so that they can develop, so they don't have to harden up um, against a world that can be tough and, and kind of mean, pure culture and um, unforgiving. And so when I talk this way to parents, speak of intuition, um, like in the workshops with mothers, they'd go, oh my God, yes, yes. And I've got people telling me, you're being a, um, you know, a helicopter mother, you're hovering. And I, I say to them, hover, hover, your kid needs you. Um, yeah. Helicopter parents are rare. Yes, they're pathological, they're too involved. They're over, they're doing homework. They're, you know, they're overdoing um, and not allowing their kid to, you know, really be who they are and develop. But I, I'm really um, support parents in, in, in staying super involved in their kid's life and, you know, actually um, being their safe harbor and being their main orientation. It's actually healthy for, kid, for, for kids and necessary for them to rely on the adults in their lives. Um, to have wonderful friends, yes, but, but their peers um, are not adults. They can't be relied on like adults can. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's interesting because that's not, that's not the messaging as you, as you know, that gets thrown at us at all. Um, and it's funny because when, back when I talked a lot more about family dinners, which I still very much believe in, but just talk a little bit less about, um, there's a study out of um, Columbia, I think that where they just interviewed tons of inner city families and kids who just one wouldn't think would care at all about family dinner. And it's the parents all thought the kids didn't want it, but actually the kids all really looked forward to it. So I think sometimes we just get that piece wrong um, because we're just listening to all the noise. Yeah, exactly. That's, oh, I'd never heard of that research. Um, it, it doesn't surprise me. And even if kids say they don't want it, um, if we're listening to our intuition, we know that, that, they want it. that they want it and that we want to put it in place so that they can discover, in fact, that it nourishes them on many levels. Yeah, I love that. Um, and if anyone's like, I don't know what my intuition is telling me about my kid, you do. <laughs> and actually, that's it's funny. That's what I feel like I'm always selling, like work-life balance and how to fit your health in and and really what we do around here is make time to hear because most of us are just too busy. I mean, I think one of the biggest issues around just being able to know what we need to do for our kids is that we're so busy, we just can't hear our own wisdom. And so yeah. I've found that slowing down can just really help. Yeah, definitely. Oh my God. Slowing down is so important. I call that Kairos time. Yeah. Um, 
you know, that's earth time versus chronos. So these are Greek words, chronological time is chronos time. We got chronological time, we're working with it. But kairos time is that dropping down, that transcendent space, that soul space we were talking about earlier. Yeah. But to be fair, um, um, it takes practice yeah. to, li to listen to intuition and to hear it, um, not just slowing down. It takes practice, especially if we were raised in a, um, a family, um, certainly I was where, um, you know, I mean, I didn't even know what intuition was. Um, and, and also um, a culture where, and a school, school systems where emotional intelligence wasn't taught as an equal intelligence. And so um, I find like for myself and a lot of mothers that I work with, we're catching up because we didn't learn this from our parents. Yeah, hundred percent. And, um, and also hearing your intuition is slightly different than following through on your intuition, which are very, two very different things. <laughs> So we might know and we might know what we should be doing and not necessarily do it because that can be harder. Many times I find when I'm making really good choices with my kids, I am not doing what anyone else around me is doing necessarily sure. in that moment. Yeah, it's like, which is why um, mothering and daughtering again, our approach is not prescriptive so much. It, it, it's a process of um, assisting mothers in really landing in that natural intuitive ins instinctive state and mothering from that place. Um, it's, it's amazing. It's like, I call it like martial art mothering. It's you get in a zone and it's not about perfection because, you know, we're going to make mistakes all the time. That's life. Um, and part of making mistakes is um, in martial art mothering is also understanding the rupture repair process, which we therapists talk about all the time. There will be ruptures, misunderstandings, mistakes, arguments. And um, so if you make a mistake, if you don't follow your intuition or follow up on it, or you, um, you make a mistake, which you will, <laughs> um, the marvelous thing is that repair um, is, you know, is part of teaching our children how to be in relationship is, yeah. is the repair part of it is going back and saying, Hey, sweetie, I'm so sorry. I, I yelled at you. And then, you know, um, saying, you know, anything you want to say about it and then working it through and then moving on. It's just, um, the bond grows stronger. And actually with a teenager, I find that the repair after the fact is much easier and more productive than in the middle of whatever's going on. So, yeah, so, so um, that's great reminder is that, that sometimes you repair then, but not usually um, you come back when everything is a little bit more chill and non-reactive because from that place, everybody can hear each other better. Great point. I love that. Okay. So I have, um, a few other questions, but I got some questions that I thought I would ask still, cause two people asked me very specific questions, which actually follow this topic a little very well. So what do you do when, um, you feel like your teen just isn't taking anything in from you? 
like doesn't want to hear anything, doesn't want to any new information. Okay, I yeah, I'd I'd be concerned about that as you are, Mama, um, who's asking this um, because that's that's not natural. It might be normal, you know, like we hear the rap about teens. They don't let you in. They don't they don't want to hear from you. They resist you. Um, actually, um, that is um, a development of modern times. Um, it's not natural for young people, for teenagers to not want um, um, guidance, mentorship, um, connection with their parents and with elders. Um, so there's a process which is in my book and even in, in, in more depth in Gordon Newfeld's book, he's the guy um, who's really inspired me. He wrote a book called, Hold On to Your Kids, Why Parents Need to Matter More Than Peers. And so if you're not the go-to person, um, mom, um, yeah, that's, that's not a good sign. Um, and your daughter or son doesn't know um, what's good for them and doesn't know um, that they need you more than ever. Um, so there's what we call a retrieval process. And that's part of what I coach parents about um, and send them towards the resources, my book and Gordon Neufeld's book about attachment parenting in adolescence and how to, um, sometimes it's um, the most effective way is to get away for a period of time with your kid um, without um, phones and, and really like go on a camping trip or um, even just for a weekend. Um, we would find in our um, teen workshops, girls would just come had to be dragged to the workshop. The last thing they wanted to do was to spend a weekend with their mother. And uh, they wanted to hang out with their friends and they were resisting it. And we knew, we knew they were coming resistant. Um, but we also had created an environment that was um, conduct conducive for what we call retrieval. And what we found, you know, we set up a workshop um, and my daughter was a, is a real teen whisperer. Um, and little by little, um, through the weekend, we would watch these big, lanky um, teenagers literally cr um, climb back into their mother's laps and do what mammals do, which is reconnect um, and and be retrieved by the adults in the in the um, um, in the group, um, specifically here the mothers and. By the end of the weekend, the girls weren't wanting to leave. And, I love that. Yeah. And one thing that stuck out to me actually in that piece of your book, and I can't remember if it was you or Eliza who was talking through it, but but I imagine that an important piece of that is that yes, it's very animal instinct for our daughter to do that, to crawl into our laps. And we have to be doing that job of really hearing her. Because if we're responding with our agenda instead of her agenda, that could also be a reason my get probably that somebody would push you away. Yeah, and it's why I have a whole chapter on what I call mirroring. Yeah. And another chapter on containing. 
These are everyone like, should go listen to that or whoever asks this question should definitely go listen to those two chapters because they're fabulous. You know, I, I recommend my book for the women that I work with who aren't mothers um, because often we lost contact with ourselves during yeah. the years because our parents um, weren't a, um, terribly adept at mirroring and containing, yeah. which are these consummate um, tools for um, listening and um, really seeing the soul of our kid um, so that they can settle into the safe harbor of our nervous system, literally. Yeah. Um, you know, in neurobiology, we call it co-regulating. Um, and and that, that if we are grounded in who we are fundamentally and know our position um, in the social hierarchy, that we're the elder and our kid needs us and not to be intimidated by her resistance, um, she will um, respond. Um, it's, it's incredible it, yep. uh, to watch. And actually, um, Kim John Payne talked about this in last week's episode as well, which was which was awesome. And I think we just sometimes forget that we can still hold that position as our, you know, sometimes our teens get taller, like they're literally like taller than us. They're like literally in a different position. <laughs> taller than me by the time she was 12. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the other question we got, actually, I don't even know if I've told you this, but this is something that I've been thinking a lot about too. But our other question came from someone who was like, well, what if your parenting style is very different from that of your spouse. Um, That's a problem. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know what? It is a problem. And I can relate a little bit, actually. So one of the things that became super clear to me. Um, I should as, say that can be a problem. Yeah, it can definitely be a problem. <laughs> and um, but one of the things that as I was starting to work with you and thinking like, not that I haven't always thought of myself as a mother, but I confuse parenting and mothering and they're actually very different. And so one of the most important things that I think I've done sort of over the past year even is really separating those things out because they had merged a little bit for me and I had like lost a little bit of the mother piece. Like the, the, I wasn't holding, I wasn't holding on as firm to the mother piece because I was leaning into the parenting piece of which, you know, in, in my understanding of parenting, it's really good if you're on the same page in front of the kids, at least, you know, and, and then discussing, you know, off to the side. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't always doing like, I, because I wasn't able to truly show up as myself as a mother for a little bit. Um, the parenting piece was off. So I've really separated out who I show up as a parent and who I show up as a mother. And it's helped a lot. So I'll share that with whoever had the question. Wow. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Well, here's, here's the thing. When I, when my, my, you know, my first response was that that's a problem. Yeah. And here's where I find the problem. Um, I find when that it's, it's when the approach is, is like, um, a kind of disciplinary old school, um, don't speak unless you're spoken to authoritarian kind of um, parenting. That's, you know, I was, I was kind of like in a way um, it, that's the approach that I'm talking about where there can be a problem. Yeah. 
one that's that's more disciplinary based and one is more attachment based and heart based. Um, Gordon Neufeld says, if you have your child's heart, no discipline is necessary. Love that. And so that's where I see a problem when, when parents aren't sharing the relational approach, um, which is meeting that human, um, listening to that human, mirroring that human. You're still in charge, but it's not um, authoritarian. It's with um, a, a, it's a loving authority. Yeah. Relational authority. Yeah, I like that. Um, and it's interesting because in my own story, I'll share that I found it much harder to parent on the little things than on the big things. So I, we always come together on the big things. The littler things can be a little bit more challenging sometimes. And the other thing that I, I'm guessing happens a little bit in family dynamics is that, first of all, most of our listeners are women. So that means that women are doing a lot of this work. They're thinking about how to tap into their intuition, how to calm their nervous systems to be a good mama, like all the things. And, you know, your partner may not be. And so at some level, we either have to catch them up or, you know, come to an agreement of who does what, you know, who's, who is in charge in what situations. Um, but I have found that I have a very different parenting style than my hubby <laughs> and um, it still works. With the small things though. See that, see where you're saying with the big, you know, the big picture, you guys are aligned. Yeah. And that's what I'm talking about is yeah. that you guys are aligned. Um, your approach is not authoritarian. It's yeah. not, you know, and yes, you might have differences as you say, in some of the little things that are everyday things, but what your kids feel is your alignment um, around um, what matters. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Mm -hmm. And and I and my guess is is that because. Well, I, I actually, the person who asked this question is a client, so I know her well. And so my guess is that it's not as far off as, as we think. And I think that in this world, like, and it's pretty much taps into everything we talked about today, it's the little things that are really overwhelming um, and the little ways things are working. And if we can just like zoom out a little bit, especially when it comes to mothering and, you know, seeing our kids and all the things, if we can just sort of zoom out and not be in like, should they do soccer? Should they do camp? You know, it's, it's all those details that I find really take us out. Um, but when we can get back into that big picture, usually we can get into alignment with our partner if, if we're yeah. in alignment with our partner and we can get into alignment with our kid. And exactly. Yeah. So well put. Um, all right. So those were the two questions from other people. So now we're back to my questions <laughs> or comments. 
So let's talk about this notion. And it's, it's interesting because I live in, you know, suburbia and I lived in a city when my kids were all born. So I did this whole thing when they were born that I, I, at the time I ran a design company. And so it was, it was big and there was a lot of people and I had to go to work, but I, there was some flexibility. So I remember, you know, joining mother's group and like, you know, meeting, I have so many good friends that I met when my kids were like before one years old, it worked a little bit better for the first two than the third, but you know what I mean? And we just, it's very easy to lose that sense of community and support as our kids get older. And I just think it's really hard to do this, this work alone. And it's interesting because it's something that I've always known. And so I've always surrounded myself with people. And I I even think that the people who come into our paying community, I consider them my people too, like everyone I consider my people. Um, But in the past year, I've gotten way more formal about it. And just in my understanding of where I need support to show up to be the mom that I want to be, which is where Syl came in, but also a bunch of other people who were friends. And I, I learned how like who to interact with in which ways and different, you know, in different scenarios to really help me show up and be able to hear my kid and contain our kids and, and get through all these situations and have that, that tribe. So you want to talk a little bit about that? Cause I know you have some thoughts. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. I mean, this is the, we, we always, you know, the, the, the idiom, we, we, it takes a village to raise a child. Um, so true but it takes a village to support in this case a mother yeah as she raises her child <laughs> you know like um and i think that's the piece that got lost somewhere in there yeah, i do too i do too because i i i know i i'm working so much with mamas who are mothering on empty either because they're single mothers or they're, they're, they're working too many hours and have to work those that many hours. And then add to that, that we, um, we live in this strange nuclear family culture uh, where most of the world is still, still living as we used to live um, in multi-generational communities for better or worse, we're living in, independently often far from from um, help of aunties and grandmothers so um we really really need and 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 cousins and older sisters you know it's sort of like and now Eliza's created this um badass girls which is online community and it's so good she's going to be here someday soon oh good yeah and circles um because um when she and I um, grew out of mothering and daughtering because I'm 65 and she's 30. And um, though mothering and daughtering very much exists and we have great resources there and online courses and I'm a parenting coach. Um, we are like, interestingly, we're very, very focused now on me with w- women and her with girls um, and young women um, creating community creating system. And that that's, that needs to be, and, and, and new ways of creating that um, 
well, certainly during COVID, it had to be on Zoom, but um, uh, this, is, this is the number one um, need that the women who came to my workshops had is they were, we'd be sitting in circle because half of the workshop, I'd be leading a circle with mothers and Eliza would be with the daughters in another room. Yeah. And then half the time we'd all be back together. And the girls would leave the room and half the mothers would um, just start talking and often crying about how isolated they felt and how good it felt um, to be in sisterhood, in circle um, with other mothers, like-minded mothers. And um, so we, we create that to some degree through the mothering course. Um, in mothering and daughtering. Yeah. And it's interesting to me because, um, well, we, we do that here too. <laughs> so, so we have groups of women and what's super interesting to me is that, you know, I'm not focused on any specific, um, I feel like I'm always surprised how a group of women can come together and really support each other. And just now we're, we're in the midst of a retreat as I'm recording this with Syl and it's like, we have everyone from people with little kids to people whose kids who have grandkids yeah. and, and it's just like, and, and all different religious beliefs and all different like parenting beliefs. Yet there's still this amazing thing that happens when women put their heads together and really support each other and have this community where they can celebrate together and, you know, really be honest when something's really hard and, it's, it's just amazing. It's, it's unbelievable to me always. Yeah. And, and, um, is, it's, it's crucial. It, it, It is something that, um, is foundational. It's like the oxygen sisterhood is oxygen. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And it's, it's fun to be on all, um, it's fun to be in all the different places of it too. Like, you know, be the oldest, be the youngest, be in the middle, you know, have the oldest kids have, you know, all the different places. Like, it's just, it's so fun how you can, how different things can come out of every different situation. So if you don't have a group of women, anyone who's listening, I highly recommend you go find one. Yes. Um, Me too. Yes. Awesome. Well, and that, so it's a little different because I, have been working with you as a teacher, but one of the other things I'll say has been really interesting for me is that, you know, I've, I've I've been supporting moms for a long time and I'm usually, you know, and I started off supporting moms around food and then we moved more into sort of how we navigate time and how we navigate a day with, with food included and, and all the things. And so I've, I've worked a lot on all those things in my life. I've worked a lot on food. I've worked a lot on health and wellness. I've worked a lot in entrepreneurship and how to grow in that and in my spiritual practices, but it's, it's interesting. And, and well, Kim was on the podcast last week. So clearly I did some parenting stuff at the beginning, but I haven't dived into to motherhood. And at first I thought what I was doing was I kind of thought I was taking a break, like I was taking a break to just lean into motherhood while we got everything back up and running around here. 
and that it was okay that, you know, work would go down a little and maybe I wouldn't be eating as well and all the things, but it didn't work out that way, actually. So I, I think that, I think that motherhood is a pretty good thing <laughs> to invest in, investigate, like, like it's, it's, it, it really worked out in all the different areas. Um, it really did spread. And some of that's just in doing anything hundred percent, but motherhood was a big thing to take on. You know, usually I'm talking about taking on water or, you know, exercise and, you know, motherhood's a pretty big thing to take on. So I thought it really would take the whole time, but it, it it's been amazing. Yeah. And there's still a long way to go, but here we are in the middle of it all. <laughs> well, I guess your work is in the self mothering, you know, I, I'm so grateful. Yeah. What you do because women learn about nourishment on so many levels from you and and again if if we don't have that down and we're mothers um we're mothering right. we're mothering on empty so yeah you're, you're um i call it self-mothering you know yes uh, yeah it's it's that nourishment piece um is so crucial um, and so it's mother, mothering and there's many ways to mother a hundred percent. I love it. All right. Well, I want everyone to go check out Sil's book. I you, will put the link in the show notes and is the, is the printed one the same as the audio one, or is it a different version at this point? Um, it's pretty close, but, okay. but the audio is definitely a new edition. You yeah. Know? And literally Sil's voice is the most relaxing thing to listen to. So I highly recommend the audio one. And then your girls can listen to Eliza's, which is so fun because especially for anyone who feels like they're not being listened to, Eliza has a great way of um, talking directly to teens about all the things. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And yeah. you also have a course that supports the book. Is that what's happening with the course? Um, the course is actually just for mothers. Okay. It's called the mothering course. It's right on our website. You can, the links there and it's, um, there's an addition for preteens and an addition for teens, but it all comes together in yeah. one, you get both editions and, um, it's like 40 videos. Um, it's our whole body of work. We put the mothering course together. Um, once we stopped teaching workshops, we wanted to get it all down. So, um, it's really in-depth information. So awesome. come. All right. Is there anything I've missed? No. Any last pieces of wisdom we need to impart upon um, those ladies listening? You no know, pressure. <laughs> I'd say a lot at the end of our videos in the mothering course is you got this mama, you know, mm -hmm. it's like this, get the, get the resources and support you need to do what you do naturally. You're brilliant confident, intuitive self. I love that. Thank you. Thank you so much for this. Thank you for having me. All right. At the end of every episode, I always share three doable changes because I do believe that action is where real change happens. And I also believe that action doesn't have to be huge, even for the change to feel huge. I believe that if we can just lean into one small doable change per week, we can make huge shifts in our life. So at the end of every episode, we always choose three doable changes. 
so that you can pick the one that resonates most with you and you can lean into it and you can experiment with it and you can play with it and you can figure out how it fits into your life. And then it's yours or not at the end of the week, but you've actually taken the action to make the choice. And if it is yours, then over the course of a few months, over the course of a year, you will see how these doable changes stack up and become this amazing life that you are living. And it's so fun to watch. All right, here are three doable changes from this episode from my conversation with Syl. Number one, reframe rejection. It is normal for adolescents to push back their parents, to test and to try to figure out who they are. A lot of times, us parents take this as rejection. Over the next few days, over the next week, notice when you feel like your tween or teen is rejecting you. And then decide, what if what if I were just to step back from that and reframe it as them pushing back, but not them pushing me away or rejecting me? What if you challenge your assumption that they won't want to do something like family dinner because you know they need connection? You know that their words don't mean that they don't want to connect with you because guess what? They do. All right. So doable change number one is reframe rejection and see what that helps create in your life this week. Doable change number two. I love this one. Connect to other mothers. We weren't meant to do this alone. It takes a village to raise a child. And the piece that I love that Syl adds is it takes a village to raise a child and to support a mother. What can you do to connect with other mothers? We usually start with mothers of kids the same age as our kids, but actually, women at different stages can support us. In fact, sometimes it's really useful to have mothers in our wings that are at different stages because they can help inform us of what's to come. So make a list of people already in your life. Make a list of people you could connect with or ask them if they know of someone and reach out to one. Just take one small step towards this, all right? You will not regret it. We need connection more than anything right now. And I have to tell you that SIL is an important part of my support as a mother, very important part. And the way that I found SIL, which I told you at the beginning, is through my friend Sarah, who is part of a group of mothers, and we meet once a month on the new moon um, and really support each other. And that's how I found out about SIL, and it's literally been life-giving for me. So really do connect with mothers. And the other thing I want to say about that is you know these people. You know the people who you need to connect with. It's just sometimes we forget to connect. So make this change, make this doable change, not necessarily about needing to go out and meet new people, but about connecting with those people who are already in your life. All right. Doable change number three, repair. It's a relief to know that there will be ruptures and misunderstandings and mistakes and arguments and that the goal isn't necessarily to avoid them with teenagers, that is, or I guess with anybody, 
but it is important to repair them. Sometimes you need a little space before you repair. I would definitely say that is true for me. I need a big, deep breath, but give some cooling off time and then try to do it right away. This teaches your kids that it's okay to make a mistake and how to handle mistakes that they're going to make because we all make mistakes. And then the act of repair can also strengthen your relationship at the same time. So we are literally teaching them skills that they will need for the rest of their life. We're showing them that we're human and we're strengthening our relationship with them all by being willing to show up to repair. All right. These are the three doable changes from this episode. I hope they inspire you. Come on over to Instagram and tell us which one you are committing to next week. Again, this interview with Syl is part of a 47 um, post tribute to 47 of the women who I have learned, I shouldn't even say that, they're not all women, because last week was Kim Jong-un, and he's a guy, but there aren't many guys, it's a lot of women, um, who have been my teachers, who I am lucky enough to call my teachers over the past 17 years of being a mom, and when I really opened up to the fact that I could be teachable and learn more. So all of that is happening over on Instagram. It is May and it is my birthday month. And so I wanted to share these people, share what I have learned from them and share some prizes um, in celebration of my birthday, which is at the end of this month. So head on over there and join the conversation. And I will see you on the next episode of the Plan Simple podcast, which will be about what I learned from a very important teacher about food. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Plan Simple Meals podcast. If you like what you heard, the biggest compliments you can give us is to share Plan Simple Meals with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast at iTunes. I absolutely love sharing simple solutions to help busy families eat clean and live well. Visit HealthyMomsMeetup.com and come join in on the fun. In our free group, you can chat with me and other health-seeking moms, get new recipes and tips, and never be at a loss in the kitchen again. Come join the fun at HealthyMomsMeetup.com. I cannot wait to meet you there.